Welcome to Commit to Yourself podcast with Petra Blend Fitness. In this podcast, I will be sharing tips for weight loss, sustainable results, and tips for fit and healthy lifestyle. I will be sharing my story and I'm planning to invite guests to the podcast who will be able to share their stories and tips to educate, motivate, and inspire you. Thank you so much for choosing my podcast and please subscribe to it so you don't miss any episodes. Okay, so welcome to this week's episode, and today I'm really pleased uh, to welcome a special guest. So we've got Dr. Heidi Kerr today, because we will be discussing um, perimenopause and menopause, and what's happening to women's body from the age of 35 or 40. I think Heidi will be the best person to tell us when exactly are these changes happening. Um, why is it so much harder to lose body weight or body fats? or lose weight when uh, women um, turn 40 and go into the menopausal stage, what really happens and why there could be potential weight gain happening as well. And then also we're going to cover what we can do as women and you as listeners, uh, what you can do to keep your body fit and healthy um, in terms of exercise, but if there's anything else also that you can do that Heidi will hopefully tell us about that you can do to help yourself um, to get through this transition, um, the best way or the easiest way as possible. Is that right, Heidi? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. We all like the easy paths in life, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely. So I met Heidi at one of the Worcestershire uh, um, women's well-being um, events. I think it was last year, maybe autumn. I can't remember exactly. But um, I um, I already knew Heidi from social media. Um, Heidi is currently practicing is a practicing GP partner in the NHS, but he's also started a joint venture with her colleague Dr. Vicky Hobbs, and uh, it's a VH Women's Health Clinic. Is that right, Heidi? PHK Women's Health Clinic. So Vicky Hobbs, Heidi Care. No, don't worry at all. Fabulous. Um, Heidi is also a busy working mum, so she understands all the struggles and all the barriers that we as mum have. And uh, I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today because I personally think I am experiencing some of the early stages of this transition myself already. I work with clients who are either pre or menopausal already. So 90% of my clients are 35 and older women who are experiencing some of the symptoms, have experienced weight gain, finding it's harder to lose weight. So I'm really excited to dive in into this subject with Heidi. I have learned quite a lot about her already. So Heidi, to start with, would you like to just recap um, what is it you do exactly and uh, what has led you into opening your own clinic to help women? Yeah, so um, thank, first of all, thank you for that introduction and thank you for inviting me today. Um, I am fully fledged NHS GP. Um, with I've always had a strong interest in women's health from when I started my career back in um, Worcestershire. Um, and it was so I did lots of training, lots of exam, postgraduate exams in women's health and really, really enjoyed it, which is a good thing, because I must admit one of the first not that I've got some male colleagues who are fantastic at women's health, 
but women generally quite like coming to see women when they've got problems, whether it be contraception, whether it be heavy periods, whether it be pelvic pain. And certainly we're finding that in terms of um, menopause transitioning. Um, so I have done a lot of, I've got an awful lot of experience in that. Um, and Vicky and I, first of all, there was very clear need in the GP trainees that were coming through and setting up an education company. Um, so Vicky and I go and train our GP trainees. We run a course for them. We go in and treat, train nurses and our fellow GP colleagues. But we've also really enjoyed going in menopause as a subject that it's absolutely brilliant what the celebrity world have done of raising the profile. So congratulations to Davina, um, Mariella Fostrop, people like that, Gabby Logan, who have very much come along and said we would like to raise this profile. So we've gone into organisations and talked and educated. Um, and therefore, we have... Um, lots of women were coming and saying, how can we come and see you? So unless they were... GP or patients at our surgery, we couldn't unfortunately see them. So the we decided we've got this passion for delivering high standard women's health care. And therefore, we decided to open our own women's health clinic. So it is a private clinic. But one of the things that Vicky and I have really, really enjoyed is being able to in that arena, being able to listen properly. So it's not a 10 minute GP consultation. It's a full 45 minutes where we really are able to listen, advise, explain, but understand what it is with the, um, the ladies who we see and therefore be able to explain why that's happening to them, offer management, um, offer medication, if that's the appropriate thing to do. So yeah, so it's a passion and being able to use our expertise and our extended knowledge in um, to bring that to women who um, want to come and see us. Fantastic. Yeah, really, really exciting. Um, so I think uh, what was um, what is the biggest interest, I think from my end and hopefully from the listeners as well, is to understand really what happens to our bodies um, from the age of, I don't know, whether it's 35 and beyond or 40 and beyond. Uh, what are the non-talked-about symptoms? Because everybody talks about the hot flashes and the night sweats. But I, because lots of my clients are in this stage, I have done quite a fair amount of reading and research myself and also watching myself. I can see there are so many more symptoms that could be potentially a sign of the perimenopause. So what is it really that's happening to women's body from the age of 40? What are the symptoms that we could be experiencing? Um, and uh, hopefully this will give, um, give us insight into why we may be feeling differently to maybe how we felt 10 years ago. Absolutely. So it's all about it's if you look at it very, very crudely, it's a natural aging process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think generations coming through my generation included and me, um, we, we deny getting older. So we don't like those birthdays anymore um, as we're getting older. However, it's about embracing because it is a natural um, um, process. We're going from our fertile phase to our non-productive phase. So, and therefore the eggs that are we're born, we're all born with, 
um, our eggs and our ovaries are starting to reduce and become depleted so that they're not that monthly egg is not being released anymore alongside that therefore our ovaries aren't producing the estrogen that we um, were used to to form that menstrual cycle and the ability to be able to get pregnant nice. so our eggs are reducing and our hormones but forgive me i use my hands when i'm explaining this to patients okay so it's a natural decline in estrogen but it's not a, a straight line it's a fluctuating so we we will eventually when we go through the menopause our estrogen levels will have dropped to very low levels and but it's a fluctuating which is why we get the fluctuations in symptoms so I speak to ladies quite a lot who say oh I had a, a when I booked this appointment six weeks ago I felt absolutely awful but the last two or three weeks I've actually felt okay yeah. that is very in keeping with those fluctuations yeah, because like um, I, for example, started experiencing the the night sweats, and uh -huh. uh, I remember like nine night three, I was like, "Gosh, like the boy's happening," and then that's like three months gone now, and I'm fine. So it makes perfect sense now what you're saying that it it does fluctuate quite a bit. And periods then can fluctuate quite a lot. So a lot of women may have had the average length four week cycle and suddenly go, oh, hold on a minute. I've gone five weeks or five and a half weeks. And then they suddenly have a month where they come, they have a period and it seems two weeks later that they're having another period. Right. That's very, very much in keeping with that hormonal drive. We've got two um, sort of phases in our, our menstrual cycle where we've got the follicular phase where the egg is um, ready to be released ovulation where it gets released and then we have that progestogen um, that is rising and rising and rising a lot of women don't like that progestogen level rising because it gives rise to um, symptoms that we classically associate with premenstrual syndrome so breast tenderness mood changes feeling very irritable feeling very um, upset and therefore when we have that later on sometimes that can be those PMS symptoms can become even more prominent when we're approaching the menopause as well. So there's a lot of factors. Why do we get so many symptoms? You asked as well about the, uh, the variants of symptoms. So I always quote um, a lady saying, why have I got to the age of 50? I think she was 52. And all I know about the menopause is I'll get hot, I'll get grumpy, my periods will stop. And that's, that's a myth that we need to completely get rid of. So we know this perimenopause where we've got lots of estrogen receptors from our hair to our skin, to our heart, to our bones, to our, um, then obviously there's hot sweats, to our vagina, to our bladder base. Um, so there are so many, our brain, there's so, there's estrogen receptors everywhere in our body. And there's, um, we sort of, the medical profession fell out with HRT in around 2000 because of the Million Women study that was released, where it was saying that HRT probably does a lot of bad things. But actually, the amount of research that we've done post that, we've gained so much knowledge with using different HRT preparations. And um, we've just explored more, we've had more and more people that have taken HRT and been able to get far more accurate data on what HRT can actually do for us and those estrogen replacement. So the symptoms that we can get for can be mood related. So a lot of irritability, a lot of anxiety, and that quite often comes very early on in the menopause transition. So very much a feature of ladies in their mid 
40s where they're starting to feel very on edge they lose their confidence and they lose their social confidence they start thinking what is this brain fog they can't remember things yeah. when they're walking walk into the kitchen why have I walked into the kitchen I can't remember uh, why have I opened the fridge I don't w- remember that's um, so me Heidi that's <laughs> so me like yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah so that we've got that we get joint aches so some women will come and this is why it's really important to come and see your doctor because there's a lot of other conditions that come with at this stage of our lives so around the 40s 50s rheumatoid arthritis can be diagnosed underactive thyroid so it's really important that we're thinking about other things so it's not and we just don't label women as saying oh it's your menopause because we could be missing other things so joint aches are a really common feature that can sometimes end up sitting in front of a rheumatologist at in a hospital clinic when actually blood tests are all normal and they need estrogen um, replacement right they're not getting dementia Quite often it's estrogen replacement. The exhaustion, once we know that it's not other things, um, like underactive thyroid, maybe like presenting it's not new diabetes, therefore it's not a vitamin D deficiency, actually it is estrogen. So feeling absolutely exhausted is another very common complaint that we'll hear of ladies going through. Um, it's, I'm sorry, I will refer to it as the change as an option of yeah. using a different word, but the menopause journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, lots of listeners and myself, I can relate to quite a lot of what you said, you know, the the kind of the tiredness and the lack of energy. So I think it's really good to understand that this is a normal process and, you know, the aging is part of our living, really. So, um, uh, you know, we need to embrace it, but also like like you said, go and see doctor if really the symptoms start overtaking and it's affecting it's affecting our lives so um i have clients or people usually coming to me with very common uh thing that they would say they would say you know i don't do anything differently i eat the same as i did 10 years ago and i moved probably the same as i did 10 years ago but i have put weight on and it's this menopause weight um so I'd like to just dive into like this a little bit um, because we want to make sure that uh, women stay fit and healthy uh, to get to come into this transition. And I think that's why I preach quite a lot to look after your health from early as as, as early as you can. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's never too late to start, but obviously preparing your body with uh, really having kind of fit and healthy body to help yourself through this transition is I believe also as important so so um so what is it why 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 the weight gain why is that is that a myth is that is that a menopause weight gain what is it that happens that why do women weight gain and specifically um again it's around I would say the middle section obviously every woman is different and we carry body weights differently everybody just likes to store it elsewhere but um yeah so w- what can you tell us um about this what's what's the weight gain got to do with menopause <laughs> Yeah, no, we've got we've got a metabolic rate. All of us have got metabolic rates and it's it can be very different in individuals. So you may find someone we all know, a friend who can sit eating what she likes um, or a, a guy eating what they like and they're fun and they don't gain any weight. Whereas we quite often see it with husbands and wives and they come and say he eats loads. And why am I the one that's carrying all the yeah. weight? 
that so everyone's met everyone has an individual metabolic rate the really unfortunate thing is that it reduces with every decade which is why it's harder to lose weight at 30 than it was at 20 it's harder to lose weight at 40 when it when we were 30 yeah unfortunately when we get when we lose estrogen that metabolic rate takes a further nosedive and slows down even more so if we very look at, look at it in very simplistic terms we have the um calories so it's what we eat consume in calories to what we burn off is what is left over yeah um and we've got a lot of society changes just going back there's lots of um we eat we eat differently we eat conveni- conveniently we do less exercise an awful lot um and but the there's people out there that quite often do a lot of exercise and get very frustrated with the weight gain but we will fundamentally be heavier by the time we get in our fo- heavier when we get to 60 than we were at 40 by keeping everything stable because what is going on biologically inside us Estrogen receptors are very clever things. So we have, um, when we start losing estrogen, our bodies biochemically change. So we start having what we call visceral fat. So we start to collect more fat around our organs. So we won't necessarily see that, but there's more fat deposits in our coronary arteries, around our liver, um, so and around other arter- important arteries in our um, bodies. We also will start to change. So we get our waist hip ratio starts to reduce, i.e. what does that mean in practical terms? We lose the pear shapes and start becoming apples. So we start gaining a lot more weight around our middles. Um, We also start losing when we go through the change. Our lean muscle mass starts to reduce as well. So that is far harder um, to maintain post-menopause or going through those changes when we're losing estrogen than when we were um, younger, when our when our bodies wanted to be mus- more muscular. Yeah. So if we are fighting a little bit of a, losing, a, a battle, um, not a losing battle, but a bat- we, are, we do have our challenges and our hurdles ahead of us when we're going through the menopause transition. Um, also, we are, when I was referring to society changes, we are getting bigger as we get as so obesity is is an increasing society problem a national problem and women are definitely entering the menopause um heavier in this decade than they were three decades four decades right. ago. Mm-hmm. so we are getting bigger so obesity instance rates is increasing um if your body mass index is above 25 we know that you're 25 percent more likely to be troubled with particularly what we call the vasomotor symptoms, which are the night sweats and the hot flushes. So we also know that that can be a issue. So if we can try and get, there's so many reasons why we should be trying to get our body mass indexes to less than 25. Um, Between 20 and 25 is really healthy. Um, uh, And that is, you know, there's increased risk of cancer. There's increased risk of obesity, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, um, so there's a lot of reasons why we should be trying to start off with a body mass going into this in into our 20s in our 30s in our 40s at being at that healthy body mass index healthy weight does that answer yeah. your question 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, it just confirmed what I, I'm preaching, you know, kind of like, yes, it's never too late, but going into this transition with a healthy and fitter body with lower body fat into that in that healthy range absolutely gives you a um, slightly better <laughs> ticket <laughs> uh, to, 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 you know, uh, to hopefully lower the symptoms as well. So, so yes, absolutely. Now you and have I mentioned. Oh, sorry. No, just in October on last World Menopause Day, um, I know lots of the celebrities that I mentioned previously went to Parliament to try and get commitment to yes. at 45, every woman to get an NHS health check. Yeah. Um and I absolutely, I'm not sure how the NHS is maybe going to contain that at the moment. I really hope they can find a way of doing that through women's health hubs and, and things like that. But it's about future health. So we are going to be going through this transition of symptoms that's going to make us feel the 75% of us fairly um, not good, but also looking at our future health. We don't want to be fracturing when we slip over in the ice at 75 no. One in eight of us will be will get cardiovascular heart disease, and we need to make sure and die of it. So we want need to be thinking ahead. So I absolutely think it's a fantastic thing if we could bring um, a hormone cardiovascular check, a bone checkup at forty five, so that women are entering into that next decade being able to change yeah. how they. Um, those behaviors whether it be eating habits whether it be lifestyle habits whether it be exercise habits because as you said before it's never too late to change um and that's really 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 important yeah um thanks for that because it kind of brings us to the to the next question so i i um I kind of do what I preach. So I preach the strength training. Uh, to, you know, you mentioned that we do lose muscle tissue and then our bones are more likely, uh, you know, to be fractured at the later stage. Um, also, the strength training helps building lean muscle tissue. So it does protect the body and it keeps your body and the structure, like the bones, the structure, it keeps it all in one place, holding a really correct posture as well. Um yeah, just like you said, I think even though we think we live the same, I, I don't think we do, you know, because we possibly don't go out as often or as much because the lifestyle is different. We've got lots of screens at the moment. And also, just like you said, even if we feel we eat the same, we don't because like it's more convenient and it's more processed. So obviously it could be high in salt, high in sugar. And this all then affects the calorie balance in terms of weight gain and weight loss, obviously eating in calorie surplus, we are over a longer period of time gaining body fat and, you know, other way around creating calorie deficit doesn't help us to lower body fat. Um, so I mentioned the strength training, obviously with uh, some cardio and uh, nutrition. Um, what can women do? So like, you know, what can women do for themselves right now um, if they are like, let's say, even like me or later 40, 50, like whoever's listening, what can they do to to maintain healthy weight and to really prepare their body for this transition in terms of everything you've mentioned? What is it they can do? Um, dedicate time to yourself. 
I think is really, really important. So life is busy. And one of the things that I would say as well, again, as society changes, we've we've moved to having children later. So yeah. we're going, we're not in our 20s with young children anymore. We're in our 30s and 40s with young children. Children are, can be exhausting running after them. So quite often they're leaving home when we're in our mid 50s. Yeah. And so that, that is exhausting. So family habits, but you're also, you're, it's at, when we enter our 40s and our career, quite often we're establishing more responsibility, more dedication. Um, um, and therefore work harder as well so it's getting a balance I this is a this um my colleagues say this is a fab thing to rule to do so it's, it's turned into the doctor care or life rules so if you divide a day into three morning afternoon and evening you've got 21 of those sessions across the week three of them should be you doing exactly what you want to do so um that is uh whether it be a date night whether it be a family picnic but not stressing about looking at your emails what's in the fridge what am I going to cook for tea what's for Sunday lunch tomorrow it's yeah. about completely switching off being true to yourself it might be going for a walk with a friend it might be going in um, there's lots and lots of things it's what you want to do it might be a hobby it might be it might be going to a class and um, um, seeing you and then going for a nice walk, going for a get your nails done, whatever sort of floats your boat, as it were, do it. But yeah. you should be hating you three times because if you're exhausted, then that becomes a real problem. Make sure you're sleeping. You mentioned screens. We're a nation of screens now. Yeah. And it's so tempting to sit and go, oh, I haven't caught up on Facebook. I haven't caught up on Insta. Let's just catch up while you're sitting that hour before bed. We should be switching off blue screen. It messes with our melatonin. It messes with our sleep patterns. We need to be doing it. We need the children to be doing it. We need to involve good sleep hygiene. We know that if per people, so seven to eight hours at our age, the age range that you're talking about from 35 to 55 yeah. is what we'll be aiming. So we sh we won't be getting, if we're expecting nine, 10 hours a night, we're not going to get that. That's not realistic. But seven or eight hours. And be, we know that if people aren't getting that good quality sleep, they've got less motivation. They're exhausted yeah. during the day. They're not going to be, they're going to gain weight. They're not going to be motivated to make the changes. Yeah. Little simple things like, planning for the week ahead if you're the mum sit down with your other half and say right let's work out what we're going to don't be thinking I'm exhausted I've got in it's seven o'clock can't be bothered let's just grab what's in the fridge and it's usually pasta it's usually something with rice or it's a convenience meal it's something with a load of toast try and be like you know the plan ahead and say right the ingredients are in the fridge for the next three days um, it's got lots of color on our plate. We talk about varied diets. So absolutely, we should need we need moderation on the plate. We need lots of color. Um, whole grains, fruit and veg, not low in salt, low in monosaturated fats, low in high um, sugar foods. Um, but those are really important. Plant based foods are good. Plant based protein is good. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of you know we're coming out of the time with the slow cooker but being yeah. able we're coming into the hopefully the weather's going to change so we're in salad season so those sorts of so a bit of planning um 
But as you've said, quite correctly, varied exercise. So it's not all about, I've got lots of ladies who say, I w- oh, I'm really fit, I walk the dog and I'll yeah. age day. Brilliant. Yeah. But it's actually, you need to be putting in a varied, so it needs to be walking the dog. It also needs to be putting weight-bearing exercise. It needs yeah. to be putting core exercises in there, strengthening your core, getting your pelvic floor right. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really important as well. So it's about making time being kind to yourself and planning ahead so that you can fit your varied exercise and your varied diet into your week um there's there's the baddies forgive me smoking not good you'll get more hot flushes with smoking you'll get increased risk absolutely so smoking is not good but the big baddie in our generation that's coming through is alcohol alcohol yeah so many people find Alcohol is a treat. Alcohol is a de-stress. Yeah. But it's full of calories as well. Yeah. Our body doesn't want to store alcohol. So alcohol is just as calorific as fat. Yeah. But our body will will want to store fat. Yeah. So it it won't want to store any of the alcohol. So it will burn the alcohol off first, leaving. So beers with curry on a Friday night. Forgive me, I'm being a bit stereotypical. That's all right. Yeah. (laughs) Your, your body on Saturday, whether you go out for a run, it's going to burn the calories that you consumed in the beer and yeah. it's going to leave the calories in the fat. You're not burning off the, um, the curry. So that's a really interesting thing that a lot of people don't actually fully realise the calorie content in a glass of wine, in a bottle of beer, um, in a gin and tonic. So there's, it's it's just really... And so many people use that as a de-stress or a treat of okay, it's date night, we're going to share a bottle of wine, we're going to get gin and tonic, all that. So it's that's something that's unnecessary calories, if you like. Oh, totally, totally. I agree. I haven't been uh, drinking, not intentionally, I just haven't been drinking for a really long time now. And I am I feel my body so much happier without, without it, um, you know, and in terms of a healthy, uh, healthy weight, you know, those are really empty calories. Those are really empty calories that will eat into the calorie allowance that a person, you know, is eating, but doesn't really give any nutritious value to the body. So zero energy, if not more the negative energy, because I mean, let's be honest, we don't really feel great the day after, do we? Um, so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that makes that that's uh, thanks for sharing all that. So, uh, how's your sleep when you gave up? Did your sleep get better? I don't. But you know what? It's been such a long time that I don't really know. Um, I think I. It's because my husband doesn't drink, so it kind of naturally happened that exactly what I would have as a as a treat. Um, I just don't have because I'm like well he's not having any so I'm not gonna have any and now if we go out now okay I may have the occasional one but it just happened so I think I would say gradually and naturally and I would even probably go as 10 10 years ago that um that uh, um yeah I, I don't know don't really know I sleep like a baby now <laughs> okay that's good I, I sleep like <laughs> a baby like I'm just going to touch base on the sleep a little bit um also caffeine uh, what are your thoughts on caffeine and uh, menopause and and sleep it's not a brilliant thing so caffeine so if you are a caffeine drinker um I would recommend that you have one two 
maybe three cups, but I would stop by two o'clock. Caffeine has a very long half-life. So if you're drinking that in the evening, it's not brilliant for our bladders. So it's going to irritate our bladders and make us want to go to the toilet. So it's a diuretic. Um, so it's dehydrating us, not great for skin, not great for hair. Um, it's going to, it's a stimulant. So it's going to make us feel more um, awake. It also doesn't help with hot flushes. So yeah. there's a lot of reasons why. Like, don't get me wrong. There's, it's maybe the lesser of some evils like alcohol and smoking that we've already mentioned. But people that are coming and saying, oh, I drink six, seven cups of tea um, and I'm having to get up to the toilet in the middle of the night, then they need to stop drinking the six, seven cups of tea. So yeah. far better to have a dilute squash. Um, fruit juice, again, isn't great for our bladder, um, but water water but yeah. we don't then also it's a bit of a culture particularly the younger generation that are coming through they walk around with these massive bottles of water you don't need to be drinking people should be consuming between 1.5 and 2 liters yeah. a day um yeah. to, and obviously more towards the two liters if you've been particularly sweaty when you've been sp um, sporty or you've been out for a long run then you do re need to rehydrate but don't over rehydrate um because yeah. that can make you quite weak um weak um, and dizzy so it's about yeah caffeine is isn't a it's something that I enjoy if I must admit I like yeah. I enjoy early morning coffee and a mid-morning coffee but I stop drinking it from lunchtime lunchtime it's yeah um yeah and I've had clients who have done that recently and literally they they fall asleep in the evening so much better and the the quality of the sleep is so much better as well Which so motivation and then they'll be yes it's, it's, like a, it's a cycle time. isn't it it's a cycle that can be broken with small actions um so what would you recommend somebody who has been really trying hard uh, to exercise and eat well uh, but feel like their symptoms are kind of overtaking their life and it's lib about control what is it women can do to help them um feel better to carry on looking after themselves and include all the bits and bobs that you've covered before say what we've talked about but come and see come and see us at bhk go and see your gp this hrt is probably something that you need to explore and find out a little bit about you might after a discussion decide that it's not necessarily for you but i think every woman should be aware of it the benefits, the long-term benefits on heart, reducing heart disease, reducing or in, reducing the bone mineral density reduction, which can lead to increased risk of fracture, but the symptoms. So if you feel better in yourself, then you've got more motivation to be able to look after you, look after the family, look after your patch, as it were. Um, yeah. But it's a very real thing. Estrogen reduction and the symptoms that are happening is a very real thing. Being able to replace that with HRT, as I said at the very beginning, we've got so much more information. A lot of people come to me, I don't want to take HRT, it makes me gain weight. There's no evidence that HRT makes you gain weight. Yeah, I don't want to go on HRT because it's, um, it's going to cause breast cancer. There is a small increased risk of breast cancer, but there's other lifestyle factors that have such a more impact on our breast cancer risk. Um, they're not aware of the bone reduction. Bone. We don't want to fall over and fracture our wrists or our hips when we're older. That will reduce the risk of fracture. Um, and then heart disease, as I said, that is the big, biggest thing that kill British white British women, um, not just white, all um, ethnic groups. 
if we can try and reduce that risk, then that's a really good thing as well. Yeah. Find um, out about HRT and be fully informed um, and maybe try it. I always say women, particularly the perimenopause group, there's four to eight years before the menopause when your periods actually stop. I quite often say there's no point in doing blood tests. Um, that's not the evidence um, to do that, not the protocol, but try it for six months. As long as there's no medical reason why you can't try HRT, hormone replacement therapy, try um, try it for six months, see how much better you feel after it. You might, some women come to me and it's not made any difference and they stop, but at least we've tried it. Yeah. Thanks, Heidi. This has been really great. Um, and I hope the listeners will enjoy it. Very informative and kind of really good to understand what happens, what women can do, should do to find time for themselves and the benefits of to do so. And if they really find it hard and need help, contact yourself. Uh, I'm going to include Heidi's details in the podcast notes so you can find all that. And then if you do have any questions about exercising, nutrition or anything else we can help you with, please do get in touch. Um, Heidi, thank you so much for being the guest. It's been lovely to have you on here and I'm sure um, we'll we'll chat soon. Thank you so yeah, much. Anytime. Absolutely. We'd love to come back. Lovely. Thanks, Heidi. Pleasure. Bye. Bye bye. I'm going to I'm going to call you. OK. Because this will probably, I'm going to end this to, rec to re record it. Okay. Hopefully it will record. <laughs>